The Glory Center would like to welcome you to this podcast. We hope that this teaching will encourage and minister to you. And now, the message. Multiple things to keep in mind as we read the book of Revelation. Uh, number one, and let me just pull this up here very quickly. Uh, I want to encourage all of us, myself, as I try to do on a regular basis, we want to let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? Amen. So we want to let the scriptures have the final say, not our as charismatics and Pentecostals, we like to think that we don't have like we don't have our own traditions. Let me assure you, we do. We think just because we pray in tongues and believe in healing, somehow we're not religious with the traditions of men. Uh, and I, as I heard Brother Hagen say one time, that we Pentecostals and charismatics have just as many traditions as the next group. And God help you if you cross one of our <laughs> traditions. You know, so, and it's so true. Uh, but we want to let the Word of God have the final say-so, period. Oh, we're people of the Word. Well, are, are we going to let God's Word trump 10, 20, 30, 40 years of tradition? Or are we not? What are we going to let be true? And so let's at least allow the Word, let's at least be open to letting God's Word have the final say-so. With that in mind, as we're going through Revelation, I'm trying to give all of us, you guys, a general framework, right? I'm trying to give you the sort of a, a framework, a foundation, and, and throwing it to you, and then in your own life, in your own study, in your own whatever, you can add more nuts and bolts to it, right? But I'm trying to give you a general framework to work with. Uh, as, as the board behind me hopefully says, once again, very quickly, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So there's first and foremost, so what's the word revelation in the Greek? Apocalypse, which literally means unveiling. So apocalypse emphatically has no connection to the world ending, bombs going off, nuclear explosions. Literally has no connection to that whatsoever. We've let Hollywood hijack that word. But it doesn't mean that. It literally means to unveil or to reveal. So thank you. God for an apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want an apocalypse, an unveiling, a greater revelation of Jesus in my own heart, mind, soul, day after day. We want an unveiling of Jesus in the USA. Amen? Amen. We, America, needs an apocalypse, an unveiling of Jesus. Amen. Furthermore, and uh, this is just a, something to throw out there that pops up from time to time. Unfortunately, uh, some of your commentaries, which there were no Bible commentaries until the 1900s. That's when that originated, by the way. Um, your commentaries usually, unfortunately, say that the book of Revelation was probably written around 96 AD. That is nothing more. You know the commentary is not inspired, right? Yeah, 95, 96. Uh, commentary is not inspired. You know that? Uh, there is no evidence of that whatsoever. That's nothing more than a popular myth. Uh, every single bit of the evidence, the actual evidence, and I'm not teaching on this today. We can get into it at some point or you know, share it at some point, but uh, there is no evidence of that whatsoever. Every single bit of the evidence points that the book was probably written in 68 AD. 
And that's just a little tidbit to throw out there to help you if that pops up in your mind and all that. Now, what's he say here in verse 1? Re the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his bondservants the things which must what? Soon. 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 soon take place. Well, soon means soon, doesn't it? You know. I don't, if words mean anything, soon does not mean 2,000 plus years in the future. There's, there's just no way. God is not deceptive. Well, time's different with God. No, it means what it says. The things which must soon take place. John is writing a letter to seven literal churches. Okay? Things which would soon take place. Verse 3, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of prophecy, who heed the things that are written in. Why? For the time is near. John to the seven churches. For the time is near. Verse 4, John to the seven churches. Verse 3, the time is near. And then there's many places throughout the book that get into uh, the soon, shortly come to pass. The time is near. The time is at hand. It begins with that, Revelation 1, then Revelation 22. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. And so on and on throughout the book, we have that. There's no way around it. It's not some TV preacher that we don't like. It's not Jordan being whatever. It's the Word of God. And over and over and over and over again, it shares that with us. Now, Revelation chapter 6, picking up from last week. And boy, I, I just had so much fun with this. And I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves as well. Yes. We got, now please understand the book of Revelation is by far the most Old Testament if I can say it that way, the most Old Testamenty book in the New Testament. It's even more Old Testamenty than the book of Hebrews. All right. Uh, and last week we showed you several things like the book of Ezekiel. All right. We looked at things um, in Revelation. You know, you've got the seven trumpets, uh, the seven thunders. What's that? One more time. I can't hear you. I don't Lamp know. Sing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I heard you. <laughs> he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. <laughs> there are many sevens all throughout the book of Revelation. Including lamps and but uh, thank you. I asked for it, you know. Uh, but in particular, there's the seven bowls, uh, seven thunders, uh, seven trumpets, spirits of God. Uh, but, but we looked last week at how there in the book of Leviticus, chapter 26, four times the Lord declared a sevenfold covenantal judgment. And so we see that fourfold fulfillment with the seven different judgments in book Revelation. Um, I encourage you, if you at all can, you can watch these online. Uh, boy, we just cover so much. It's, uh, it's hard to review uh, certain things. Nonetheless, Revelation chapter 6, and we'll pick, we're going to start right here in verse 9, just right where we left off basically. 
And we, you know, we looked last week at the horsemen. We looked at the horsemen and the seven seals. And those are from Ezekiel and Zechariah. Do you remember that if you were here? So those aren't things that John got on his own. Those are from the Old Testament. If you, if you were here, if you remember that. So, uh, when the Lamb, Revelation 6, 9, when the Lamb broke the fifth seal, now notice this, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the Word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. Now notice this, and they cried out with a loud voice. So they've been slain. Cried out with a loud voice, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging, keep avenging in your mind, the, uh, the blood of those who dwell on the earth? Now the word earth there, can you guess which word it is in the Greek? Ye, yay, however you'll say it. And it literally means the land, and it refers specifically to the land of Israel. It's not the entire physical earth has nothing to do with it. It's not the word cosmos. It's the word ye or gay, and it means the land of Israel. Referring to these martyrs, you, you understand when Nero, the great vile emperor Nero, came into office or power in 54 AD. All right? He... You all have heard of Nero, at least. You know how vile and sick and twisted. You know, and I know there's young ones present, but uh, he executed his own mother. Uh, he pregnant wife. He ended her being life. Uh, he did terrible things. Um, there, there's actually a historian uh, named Apollonius. I think it was, I'd have to Google it to get his name exactly right. I think it was Apollonius, um, who literally called Nero a beast. He said that this the world has never known a beast like this beast. So he was literally called a beast, and uh, more on that later. Uh, 54 to 68 AD. Uh, but he was a terrible uh, persecutor of the church, as were the unbelieving Jews. You can read that in First and Second Thessalonians, as well as pretty much through the Holy Testament. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you know, they were terribly persecuting uh, the church. Uh, Nero would take the Christians, and we've shared this, but he would take the Christians and impale them and set them on fire for his dinner parties to have light. That's what he would use for light. We know how the Christians were thrown into the Colosseum and fed to, you know, all this stuff, right? We understand all this. So he says here, how long uh, till you avenge those who dwell on the earth? Next verse. Now please notice this, verse 11. And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were killed were to be killed, even as they were would be completed also. Hold your place there, but turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Now notice this uh, avenging motif, and that's all through the book of Revelation. Uh, even uh, Luke 18, verse 1. Even when we get to Revelation chapter 20, and he talks about those who reign with Christ for a thousand years, do you know who reigns with him for a thousand years? Only those who were beheaded. 
I don't know why no one ever points that out. That's literally what it says. Those who were beheaded, who, who died for the sake of the gospel, those are the ones who reigned in the, whatever you want to call it, the thousand-year reign. Notice how quiet it just got. See, nobody ever points that out. I don't know why. Anyways, Luke 18, verse 1. Now check this out. Pay close attention. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Verse 2, saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God, nor did he respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming and saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while, verse 4, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God, nor do I respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, she will continually uh, come, come to me and wear me out. Pay close attention. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous or unjust judge said. Now, will God, will not God, Bring about justice to the elect who cry out to him day and night. Some of your translations say, will he not avenge them? Will he not avenge? Remember in Revelation 6 there, God, how long till you avenge us? Those whose blood was slain on the earth or in Israel in the first century. Notice this. Uh, will God not avenge his elect who cry out to him day and night? Look at verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the land, or the earth, which is gay, the land of Israel? When the Son of Man comes, will, in other words, because of the severe, unfathomable persecution that was coming against all the believers from the Romans and from the unbelieving Jews, will they drive faith out of the people of God? Will they eventually wave the white flag and say, we surrender? Or when the Son of Man does come, now the word come there, what is it in the Greek? Parousia. That's the word that's always used, uh, almost always used in the New Testament for the coming of the Lord. Parousia. And it literally means presence. It doesn't mean visible appearance or anything like that. It means presence. So when the Son of Man perusias, which is his first century coming, will he find faith on the land? Can you see the connection here between this and Revelation 6? The Lord coming to avenge his elect. How would he avenge them? By allowing judgment to come on the system that was persecuting his new covenant people. Am I making any sense? Yeah. Are you getting it? Okay, now, back to Revelation here. So when the Son of Man perusias, will he find faith in the land? Back to Revelation, chapter 6. Verse 12. says, I looked when he broke the sixth hill, and there was a great earthquake, 
And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair. The whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth, or to the land of Israel, the land, as a fig tree casts its unripe rig, uh, rigs, figs when shaken by a great wind. Now pay attention. The sky was split apart like a scroll. When it's rolled up, every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Now you understand this. We've, we've covered this pretty at length. You understand this is what in the in the word literally, as we've somewhat humorously looked at before, means according to the literature. This particular kind of Hebrew literature is not actually it's known as the apocalyptic genre, and it's all through the Old Testament, particularly in the prophets, the books of the, the, the prophets, and it's it's cosmic language that describes usually covenantal decreation. So in the book of Revelation, you have this decreation and then a recreation, or should we call it a new creation? Biblical language there. All right, now. Obviously, this is not literal, 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 as in, you understand what I'm saying? Obviously, uh, this, this is Revelation chapter 6. Notice, the sun is black as sackcloth, the moon is blood, stars of the sky fell to the land of Israel, the earth. Obviously, that's not literal. If one star fell to the earth, the earth would be gone forever and there wouldn't be the rest of the book of Revelation, but there's several more chapters. Are you out there? Okay, thank you. I, I want to know that this, it doesn't take the, the, the Albert Einstein to understand that if one star fell to the earth, game over, lights out, see you in heaven, the end. No more book of Revelation. It would stop right here, right? So anyways. Now, very quickly here, um, and I'll have it up here, but you can turn there if you want. Hold your place. Book of Isaiah. Once again, Revelation is far and away the most Old Testament book in the New Testament. I want you to see something here, though. Isaiah chapter 13. We'll start in verse 1. Now notice this. Isaiah 13, 1. He says, The oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw. Now, jump down here. So he's speaking of Babylon. Jump down to verse 6. Notice this. Wait for the day, uh, excuse me, well, for the day of the Lord is near. So this was the day of the Lord concerning a judgment that was coming on Babylon. Well, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Now notice this. Therefore, all hands will fall limp. Every man's heart will melt. They will be terrified. Pains and anguish will take hold of them. 
They will rise like a woman in labor. They will look at one another in astonishment, their faces aflame. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate sinners from it. Now look at verse 10. For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not flash forth their light. Now you know Isaiah was some 700 years before Jesus, right? And you know the stars, the literal stars are, are actually still shining, right? What? I know. Deep revelation here. This is the particular genre that the prophets used, all right? Uh, the sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shed its light. In other words, lights out. Game over for Babylon in this particular instance. All right, now, that's just an example here. Um, let's see here. Really, the book of Revelation has a ton of stuff from the book of Isaiah. Uh, we'll look at this later, but even... The new heaven and the new earth is from Isaiah's, Isaiah chapters 65 and 66, in case you don't know. So when John talks about a new heaven and a new earth, 2 Peter 3 talks about it, literally got that from Isaiah 65 and 66, which uh, sign of coming attractions, the book of Isaiah chapter 65 literally says that in the new heaven and new earth, People will work, people will get married, women will conceive and give birth, and people will die. Now that's Isaiah chapter 65. But because we don't study the Word of God as much as is possible in its own setting and context, we read that with a 2,000 years removed modern Western mind, and that stuff just falls on absolute deaf ears and does not compute Kind of like right now. Just does not compute. Regardless of the fact that it's very clearly there in Isaiah 65. Uh, nonetheless, more on that later. Uh, let's look here. If you're still in Isaiah, turn to chapter 34. Let me show you something here. Isaiah 34, and look at verse 3. Notice this. He says, so the uh, Isaiah 34, 3. So the slain will be thrown out, and their corpses will give off stench. Now notice this. And the mountains will be drenched with their blood. Next verse. And all the host of heaven will wear away, the sky will be scrolled up like a scroll. Now, you know, we just read that in Revelation a minute ago, right? Yeah. The sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts will wither away as a leaf, leaf, leaf withers from the vine or as one withers from the fig tree. Back to Revelation. What did he say here? Sun black as sackcloth, moon like blood, stars fall to the earth as a fig tree 
uh, cast his unripe, unripe figs when shaken by the great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it trolled up. Every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Again, you see all this, just these particular instances in Isaiah, right? If John, you know, could have been sued for plagiarism, he would have been sued a few hundred times. Actually, uh, I think the book of Revelation has uh, a little over 400 uh, quotations or clear uh, usages yeah, of Old Testament particular scriptures. So I think that's the number I uh, recall. So uh, nonetheless, look at verse 15. The kings of the earth and the great men, the kings of the land, uh, and the great men and the commanders, the rich, the strong, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks and the mountains. Talking about the Jewish leaders, in other words, basically. Now notice verse 16 here. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us. Revelation 6, 16. They said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now what did they say in verse 16? Fall on us, hide us from the presence uh, of the one who sits on the throne from the wrath of him. So they said to the mountains, to the rocks, end our misery. All right, now fall on us. Now notice here, once again, I know I'm wearing your handout, but you don't have to turn there. You can look up here if you want, but... Nonetheless, hold your place there. Turn to Luke 23. Notice this. It's, it's amazing when the Word of God starts making sense. And eschatology, you know, eschatology is not a uh, little side issue that's sort of irrelevant. It's a major, eschatology is the completion of God's redemptive plan. On the cross, Jesus said, it, it is finished. And those particular things were finished. But there were still more to come. Even in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, don't let anyone judge you for what you eat, what you drink, Sabbath, new moons, or any of these things. Then he says, for those things are a shadow of what is to come. And that's, that's in the Greek, it's accurate. What is to come. Well, that's after the cross. And he says... These Jewish things are a, a shadow of what is to come. Well, because those things were still being practiced by the Jews, and those things didn't end until the temple system was ended, 70 AD. Luke 23, verse 28. But Jesus turning to them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, stop weeping for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and unto the hills cover us. Now who did Jesus address when he said this? Daughters of Jerusalem. Right? And this is, we see this in Revelation chapter 6. Mountains, rocks, hills fall on us in our suffering, all right? And then you can turn there, but you don't have to. Um, as a matter of, uh, just look up here. 
book of Hosea. This is where Jesus got this from. Hosea 10, 8. Also the high places of Avon, the sin of Israel, will be destroyed. Thorn and thistle will grow on their altars. Then they will say to the mountains, cover us and to the hills, fall on us. Once again, taken from the Old Testament prophets. Amen? See that? All right, now, moving on. Revelation chapter 7. <clears throat> well, we're making some progress. And I can get through some of this stuff right here maybe a little quicker. Uh, in Revelation chapter 7, uh, well, notice this, verse 1. He said, After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the, the land, the earth, or the land of Israel, holding back the four winds of the land, so that no, now notice this, so that no wind would blow on the land or on the sea or on any tree. So you got the four, these four angels holding back certain, what, what's it say there? The, the wind would not blow on the earth, the sea, or any tree. With the next verse. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun. Now notice this. Having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels who were at the corners of the land of Israel. Uh, to whom it was granted to harm the land and the sea. Look at verse 3. Do not harm the land or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants on their foreheads. So here you have this seal or this mark on the people of God. Notice this. Until we've sealed the bondservants of our God, where? On their foreheads. Now in futurism, in futurist eschatology, which I do not obviously subscribe to, Everybody gets all freaked out and tore up about a so-called, about a supposed mark of the beast. But no one ever talks about this seal or mark of God on his people. Right? Now notice this. On their foreheads. Now look at the next verse. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. What is this? This is the Jewish, uh, this is what the scripture calls the first fruits. Book of Romans talks about the first fruits of the gospel. What was that? The Jewish first fruits, the Jewish believers, the first Jews to believe in their Messiah. So here you have, and he goes through all the tribes here, but if you will, notice this from the book of Ezekiel. Let me show you where John got this from. Book of Ezekiel, chapter 9. <laughs> Verse 1 says, Then he cried out, and I have it up here. Then he cried out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Draw near, O executioners of the city. So in Revelation 7, you have the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the land. And right here, very, very similar, you have the executioners of the city, but notice this each with his destroying weapon in his hand. Behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces the north, uh, each with his shattering weapon in his hand. And among them was a certain man clothed in linen, with a writing case at his loins. And they went in and stood beside the bronze altar. 
the glory, then the glory of God, the glory of the God of Israel went up from the cherub on which it had been. Now this is in Ezekiel. This is when the glory, and Ezekiel sees this unfold. This is when the glory starts departing from the temple, all right? Uh, where it had been on the threshold of the temple. So now it's worked its way out from uh, the altar, from the Ark of the Covenant, the cherub, to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen, at whose loins was the, the case, uh, the writing case. Now notice this, verse 4. The Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed in its midst. But to the others, he said in my hearing, go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. Utterly slay old men, young men, maidens, little children, women, but do not touch any man on whom is the mark. Did you notice that? So they started with the elders who were before the temple. Obviously, this is where John got this from. Can you see that? Back to Revelation, chapter 7. We're making progress. He goes through uh, all these verses here, one, uh, 1 through 8, and he goes through everyone who was sealed, the first fruit of the Jewish remnant. Verse 9, he says, After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, palm branches were in their hands. They cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, all the elders, the four living creatures, they fell on their faces and thrown and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want to show you something here. And I know I cover a lot of material, always. But if you don't get anything today, then for the love, give me two minutes of your time and get this. Everybody, somebody say, okay, Jordan. Okay, Jordan. <laughs> say, you have my attention. <laughs> okay. You don't have to turn. Now, some of you get lost because I say turn somewhere, and then you go into a daze for a minute, and by the time I start reading, you turn there. So, it, you don't have to turn there. You can watch one. You can. I'm not going to judge you. But at least look up here behind me. <laughs> I'm going to show you something here. This is one of those things that every one of you have seen 500 times, but because we don't, we've not connected these dots, it's just went, okay? Now notice this. In the book of Matthew, in chapter 24, I want you to see this.
course, Jesus, in the, this is the Olivet Discourse, they ask Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age, come at the Old Covenant age, what will be the sign of your coming, we talked about it earlier, the sign of your parousia, your judgment coming on the clouds, all right? Hebrew prophetic language. Now notice this. Matthew 24. A couple of things here. Jesus says this, but the one who endures to the end, he shall be saved. Now, of course, Pentecostals take this verse and apply it to, like, personal salvation. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever in the slightest. It's about being saved from the destruction of Jerusalem. All right? But notice this. Let me show you this. Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to go back to 24. Just follow me. It's, this is in your Bible, I promise. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. So whom did he summon? The 12 disciples. And then he starts to commission them, and he calls all their names. And look at verse 6. He says, rather go to the, uh, what's it say, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You see that? Go and preach to them, the lost house. Because he tells them, don't go to the Gentiles. This is their pre-cross ministry. Don't go to the Gentiles. Uh, don't go to uh, even to the Samaritans, which were half Jewish. He says, don't go to them, go to the Jews, and tell them the kingdom has finally come. The seed of David has come. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the liver. Liver. Leper. <laughs> cleanse the liver. Yeah, that too. Freely receive, freely give. Look down here at verse 23. Uh, 22 first will be better because he says you, you the 12 disciples Matthew 10 22 you will be hated by all because of my name but the one who endures to the end will be saved look at the next verse this is the thing I want you to really see here whenever they persecute you in one city flee to the next for truly I say to you 12 disciples you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Pretty hard to explain that verse away. You, 12 disciples, 2,000 years ago, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until I come, till I perusia. That's his old covenant judgment on the house of Israel, the apostate system, that crucified and rejected their Messiah. Remember, Jesus told the, the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, I can't talk today, 23, 23. He said, the blood of all the prophets is upon you. And then later on, whenever they had Jesus, and then there's Jesus and Barabbas, what did they say? Let his blood be upon us. Mm. Come on, Jesus. Guess what? It was. Oh. And they, you, you remember these accounts? Let his blood be upon us. Well, sad to say it was. And then Jesus gives the parable earlier on in Matthew, chapter 20, I believe, where he talks about the guy sends the whoever and says, come, and they won't do it. Then he sends the whoever else, and they won't come. And then finally he sends his own son to invite them in. Surely they'll listen to my son. It says, even the son, they took him, they beat him, and they killed him. And then Jesus said, what do you think should happen? 
and uh, different translation, but they said he'll be killed, and Jesus said, or they'll be killed for what they did to the son. Bingo! And then, you know, anyways, now back to Matthew 24. I know I'm covering 10,000 things, but can't you see how they, even though we're covering a lot, because it starts to connect the dots, you'll actually remember it. (laughs) You know, it's beautiful. Now notice this. I know I'm taking some time here, but I just got to cover these things. Uh, Right where we were, were there in Matthew, I want you to notice this. Verse 14. This is one of the most abused, misused, misconstrued verses in all of Scripture. But today, we're going to shed some light for you. We're going to help you to see something here. This gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24, 14. Please get this. You remember 10 minutes ago when I said, give me two minutes? This is still part of two minutes. (laughs) This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole what? World. world. That's the Greek word oikomene. This is the word for Roman Empire. Even today, I always reference it because I don't know what else to reference it with. Yesterday, I saw a commercial for it. Oikos, Greek yogurt. Right? That's what it's from. And it literally, it's the same word in Luke 2 when it says Caesar taxed the whole world. It's the whole Roman Empire. And it's, it's used that way repeatedly all through. He, so it's not cosmos here. It's oikomenes, the Roman world. This gospel of the kingdom, even in the book of Romans, Paul said he went as far as Spain. And we know from history, Paul went as far as what became England. All right? We know that Thomas, old Downing Thomas didn't stay down or thank God. We know that he went and preached in India. And we, we know the accounts of where they all went and preached. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole oikomene, as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. The problem is, we give the wrong answer to this question, because we say, oh, then the end will come. The end of the world. No, not talking about the end of the world. That was not their question. Their question was, Lord, what will be the sign of your parousia and the end of the age? Then the, right, here's the part of the answer. Then the end will come. Well, Jordan, you, look, I hear what you're saying. It makes some sense. I get it. Uh, Maybe agree on some things. But, Jordan, you can't tell me the gospel was preached in the whole world. You're right. I cannot. But the scriptures can. Now, turn with me. Book of Romans. Chapter 16. Now notice this, Romans 16, verse 25. Romans 16, 25. Now, now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, what did Matthew 24 say there? This gospel of the kingdom, go the whole wicked men, then the end of the age will come. According to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now, verse 26, but now is made manifest 
and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, has been made known to who? All the nations. All nations. We can explain it away. Now, we could explain that away, but we're better than that, aren't we? I said, aren't we? <laughs> Look at Colossians chapter 1. This is my first closing. Colossians 1. Jump down here to verse 5. Because of Colossians 1 5. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, which is you which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Now notice this, verse 6. Which has come to you just as in where? All the world. And I would have to look. I think that's cosmos in the Greek. I'm pretty sure it is. Might be Oikimene. I'm pretty sure it's cosmos. Colossians 1 6. Which has come to you just as in where? All the world. And constantly bears fruit and increases. As it's been doing since the day you heard of it and understood, and I love this, ever since you understood the grace of God in truth. There's a false grace, which waters down grace, but then there's a true grace, which takes the limits off. Amen? Amen. Now, if that's not good enough, jump on down here a few verses. It is cosmos. Okay, thank you. So, Jason looked it up there, Colossians 1. The gospel which has been heard in all the cosmos. Now, see, you see, we don't know what to do with that, but if we believe scripture, it says what it says, doesn't it? Yep. I see a few heads nodding and I heard you up. All right. Now notice this. Colossians 1, just jump down. Let's see here to verse 22. Are you out there? Yes. Yet now, yet he has now wrecked Colossians 1 22. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him. I love that. Holy, blameless, beyond reproach. Notice he does that. Look at the next verse. If indeed, or in the Greek, since indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, am made a minister. That's enough scripture. There's more, but that's enough. Right? Thank you. So in Romans 16, Paul said the gospel is made known to all nations. Then in Colossians 1, he says it's been preached in uh, under all the cosmos. And then here he says it's been preached to all creation under heaven. This is all during the time Paul is alive. Paul says this. The Spirit of God through Paul says this. Amen? Amen. Now, second closing. Very quickly here. Thank you for your patience. 
as we wrap up here, back in Revelation 7, let me show you these few little tidbits here. That I wanted to get in chapter 8, we just don't have time, but uh, nonetheless. Or, chapter 9, sorry. Uh, back to where we were, if I get my mind straight up. I'll figure it out. Thank you. Thank you. Throw a preacher alone here. <laughs> Verse 13 says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, uh, These who are clothed in the white robes, who are they? Where have they come from? I said to him, My Lord, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation, who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now pay attention here. This is... Uh, very important. He says, for this reason, they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tabernacle over them. Beautiful. Last two verses here. Notice this. Again, we mess this up when we use our modern Western mind. And we don't let scripture interpret scripture. So we're about to do that. He says here, they will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. Nor will the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. For the lamb in the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will guide them to the springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away tears from their eyes. Now notice, these are the martyrs who came out of great tribulation. As he said in, uh, I believe it was the previous chapter there, those who are under the altar saying, how long, O Lord, till you have been just? Jesus in Luke 18 talked about if even an unjust judge would have been someone who won't get off his case and won't shut up, how much more would a just God avenge his elect? justly and rightfully so all right and he says nonetheless when i come will i still find faith in the land in other words this persecution will be so severe you know men's hearts will grow faint and then he talks about these covenantal promises here now when when it talks about the sun will no longer beat down on them and all these things he says here this is from the book of isaiah and, and i'm closing right here just notice this isaiah 49 verse 10 What's he say here? They will not hunger or thirst, nor will the scorching heat or the sun strike them down, for he will have compassion on them and will lead them and will guide them from the water of the springs of life. I mean, just almost word for word what we just read in Revelation there. And then the last thing here, Isaiah 60, I have it up here, verses 19 and 20. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor the brightness of the moon will give you light, but you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God for your glory. Thus your sun will no longer be set, nor will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and then what's he say here? And your mourning will be over. Or as he said in Revelation, he will wipe your tears away. Amen. Amen. 
So we see here, of course, Isaiah was prophesying right on the brink of when Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, whenever through Israel's own rejection of the living. You know, there's there's an, an important thing here. This is another conversation for another day. But there's something to be said about there's a truth to the fact that sometimes what we call the wrath of God is simply the consequences of our negative decisions. Even Romans 1 says God turned them over. It doesn't say he actively made them a whipping post. It says he turned them over to their own reprobate minds. And then what was in them was fulfilled in them. Even this destruction of Jerusalem. You remember in Matthew chapter 23, what did Jesus say? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would that you would come unto me, just as a mother hen wants her baby chicks to come unto her, but you would not. Therefore, your house will be left desolate unto you. Hmm. So even in this judgment, this wrath, sometimes it's just the, the consequences of our own contrary to God decisions. Does that make sense? Now, so nonetheless, and we see right here, Isaiah prophesying on the brink of this, and this was in 586 B.C., and Jeremiah was in that time frame, and Ezekiel, these guys prophesying right on the brink of this original destruction of Jerusalem, all right? Uh, we see the same thing here, and so we see this prophetic language used, and then, of course, they're prophesying restoration on the other side of it, even in the midst of the brink of destruction now, so anyways... Uh, that's a lot of stuff. That's like six weeks of Bible college courses. <laughs> but I hope you remembered something about it. Uh, um, at the very least, we're, I hope we're starting to see, okay, John's not pulling this stuff out of futuristic Hollywood type stuff. This is all thousands and thousands of years ago. This is Old Testament scriptures. I hope I'm at least making a solid case for the possibility that these things were concerning the first century. As John said, they were things which would soon take place, but the time was at hand 2,000 years ago. Uh, and I, I never demand that anyone agrees with me about you know, anything like that. Just we report, you decide, right? So at least it can give you some things to study. My goal is always to present truth that will help people, you know? And so hopefully you can see uh, some of these things in a scripture, interpreting scripture context, right? And not using bizarre, wild, futuristic theories of type stuff when you see scripture, interpreting scripture. The Glory Center would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that it is encouraged and ministered to you. We also would like to invite you to check out our website at glorycenter.org.